0: It is a Pet Chat for a Wednesday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Dr Bob and Danny. Gentlemen, nice to see both of you. G'day, Greg. For the pleasure to be here. First time for 2017. That's right. I'll have to wake up and be ready. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you very much for the, such a warm welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, guys. Now, what do you have planned for us today? Today, I thought we'd start the year off with, yeah, should you adopt a pet? Okay, yeah. So the
1: who, what, where, how, why Question. That's interesting, yeah. Very quickly.
2: What um, I'll be talking about today is uh, a a, a raw dog food diet for your dogs, your cats. Uh, And the reason behind that is I've personally, with with our feeding program, with the Weimaranas that I breed, I've moved to a raw dog food diet and have seen significant benefits. And people come and talk to me who've now got their dogs on a raw dog food diet and the benefits they've seen. But the reason why we're doing this topic is Dr. Ian Billinghurst will be... Uh, on the show today and he'll talk to us of why a raw dog food diet is is great and his new book which is called Pointing the Bone at Cancer, even how a raw dog food diet can help with cancer or possibly not even get cancer, be a preventative. So, yeah, excellent topic to discuss. Oh, very
0: good. Pete Evans, nothing to do with that as well, or...? <laughs>
2: no. <laughs> <laughs> right, but, but I know where you're coming from, like a paleo diet, exactly. Well, we've got our first interview for the year as well, Danny. We do. Thank you, and Greg. Dr. Ian Billinghurst. That's right. Uh, look, on the show, as, as you mentioned, we've got Dr. Ian Billinghurst now. He's the author of books such as Give Your Dog a Bone, Grow Your Pups with Bones, The Bath Diet, and now his latest and new book... Pointing the Bone at Cancer. Uh, he, I believe, is the founding father of what we now call the BARF diet in our yep. country for our dogs, which is a raw raw diet. Welcome to the show, Dr. Ian. Uh, thanks, Daniel.
3: Great to be
2: here. Thank you very much for um, giving us your time for this uh, valuable lesson, valuable information we're going to to talk about. I've got a few questions. So I'll first start off with, like, for decades now, you've talked about feeding a raw diet to dogs and cats, as opposed to the dried Kibble diet that we're used to feeding our dogs that comes in an easy, convenient pack. Um, and uh, why feed raw instead of dry over your years of experience?
3: Yeah, great question. The thing is, our pets are designed by evolution to eat a raw, whole food diet. And it's the only diet that has the power to produce genuine health. Look, if we feed our pets dry kibble, for example, it's just like putting the incorrect fuel, the wrong spare parts and the wrong lubricants in our car. We know that our car will break down when we do this. Same, in the same way, a properly formulated raw whole food diet is looking, it's like putting the right parts, the right fuel and oil in your car. It runs properly. So the short answer is we feed raw whole food diets because that's what our pets are designed by evolution to eat. We food, feed this diet to produce genuine health.
2: So just as a side point on that, what about when people say, yeah, but the the kibble that I'm feeding, the dry dog food I'm feeding is very expensive, it's your top quality, it's your super premium. Why wouldn't that be still a good formula?
3: Uh, Because it's not what our pets are designed to eat, it's that simple. And the pets that eat this stuff, they end up with cancer, diabetes, arthritis, inflammatory bowel disease, the whole raft of degenerative diseases. They age more rapidly and and ageing is the basis of all these diseases and that includes cancer.
2: Funny you should say that because when I was doing some research um, in human health um, I was coming up with grains uh, like uh, wheat and all that kind of stuff aging us a lot quicker if we have a constant diet in regards to that so it's it's exactly what you're saying there and unfortunately in a lot of dog foods that are dry there is heaps of grains and wheat and sorghum and corn, all that kind of material.
3: And full of, full of what I call killer carbs because the carbohydrates are not what uh, any of us are designed to eat in these massive amounts. They cause inflammation, they raise blood insulin, they raise blood sugar and all of these cause obesity and the whole raft of degenerative diseases, including, again, cancer, unfortunately.
2: What ingredients form a complete and balanced diet in a raw food? What are we talking about?
3: Okay, look, it's important to understand that all animals are designed by evolution to eat raw food, and that diet differs for each species. For example, if we had a cow, we'd feed it raw grass and other raw vegetable materials. Now, Mm. our dogs and cats are designed by evolution to eat the whole bodies of prey animals, such as birds, small mammals, and so on. In other words, our cats and dogs are designed to eat bones, muscles, organs, such as liver, kidney, and heart, together with the vegetable-rich gut gut contents of their prey. And the good news is we can find all of these very simple ingredients which are so healthy at our local supermarket. Mm.
2: That's amazing because, and it is—it is all those ingredients that are along the, the sides and the back of the supermarket, I guess, aren't they? <laughs> not the processed yeah, stuff always, in the middle. Always
3: shop around the edges, not in the centre. <laughs>
2: Now, you've released uh, three books about feeding raw diets to our pets over the last 20-odd years, Uh, and based on your findings and your research, you now have a, a new fourth book called Pointing the Bone at Cancer. Now, I note this book covers information not only for dogs and cats but for humans with cancer. So my next set of questions will be on the information in this 550 page book and when I was reading through it my first sitting was the first 100 pages I just couldn't put it down and I've got a copy here showing Dr. Bob as well um, about it and he's having a look through and is amazed at the information you've covered. So why is the current form of treatment for cancer in pets and humans such as chemotherapy and radiation in your belief not working according to the worldwide statistics? Yeah the
3: worldwide statistics show it's not working these current methods are proven and we're talking about chemotherapy and radiotherapy yeah. are unable to defeat metastatic cancer. This is a killer cancer. Ninety seven percent of patients with metastatic cancer do not survive beyond a few years. And whether we talk about humans or our pets, part of the reason is that these treatments are actually cancer causing in themselves. Very ironic, isn't it? Wow. They destroy the patient's immune system and they eventually kill the patient. They're carcinogenic. They actually work against the body. They weaken the body and destroy all its defenses, leaving the patient unable, totally powerless, to win the battle against cancer.
2: Well, wow. so how would you describe what cancer is and how it is caused in our bodies?
3: Okay, very important question, and, and not an easy one to answer. Now, cancer is actually, we know it now, and cutting edge science shows us, is the reversion by tissue stem cells only in our bodies to a state of constant and uncontrolled reproduction now this results in these growths we call cancer and also the blood cell cancers the leukemias the transformation of stem cells into cancer cells is caused by all the factors we know about such as chemicals radiation viruses and lifestyle and that's that's that high carbohydrate diet however we now know that these factors do not directly attack our genes as is currently thought Mm -hmm. these factors attack energy-producing organelles in our cells called mitochondria. Mm. Now, when these mitochondria fail, the cell turns on a survival tactics, which is a return to a primitive mode of behaviour. This is what stem cells do. It involves constant growth and reproduction. Now, this, uh, this understanding of cancer explains why certain nutritional therapies have the power to actually defeat cancer, uh, as opposed to the current standard of, fair, of care, which is actually failing our patients abysmally.
2: It's, it's, a, it's a, a lot of information. I have to say the way you've described it in the book and how you've set it out makes it um, easy and fairly simple to understand. And I was quite impressed with that because it's a hard topic, but you've made it simple. Um, so to keep the momentum going, as we only have so many minutes in the program to do the interview, basically how can eating a raw evolutionary diet for humans and for pets help prevent or even cure cancer and why don't oncologists or vets recommend diet changes uh, and you call this pointing the TNT bone at cancer?
3: Okay. Well, now, cancer is the most feared disease of our time, but it doesn't have to be. We now know that cancer is extremely vulnerable to very simple, powerful, targeted nutritional therapies or TNT. These therapies actually strengthen the body. Now, what they include, one is calorie restriction, Mm. two... The use of very low carbohydrate diets that are high in fat, these are called ketogenic diets. The use of very specific plant-based molecules called phytonutrients, So eat lots of plants, but, the, but very specific ones, and very specific supplements to support the health of our mitochondria. We now have loads of evidence why these strategies, when they're properly employed, actually defeat cancer. Now, why don't oncologists use these methods? Firstly, because they are only allowed by law to prescribe drugs and radiation. A further problem is they have no training in these diets. In Mm. fact, they are trained by the drug companies to tell their patients that diet has no role in treating cancer. The drug companies tell them this because they can't make money from diets. Diets cannot be patented. point is, cancer can be defeated, Daniel, but people need to know how and why, which is why I've written the book. It details the science behind these powerful therapies, as you've been saying, how we can use them to defeat cancer right now. This is important information everybody needs to know about.
2: So just, um, just in half a minute, what, if I can ask you just, if you've got a dog that's been fed a raw diet or, um, for his whole life, is there a chance it might get cancer or, or not?
3: Okay, let me explain. Over the years, what I've noticed is that the ones that get cancer early on in life and have the very aggressive cancers are the ones eating the kibble and the food, but most especially the kibble. Uh, The animals that eat a raw whole food diet for their whole lives, they rarely develop cancer. If they do, it's very late in life and the cancer they develop is far less aggressive and they usually die with their cancer, not because of it.
2: And can we just clarify here, with a raw fight, it's not just about feeding just 100% mints? No, no, no. As I
3: explained earlier, it's like feeding a whole animal. So you're going to feed bones and muscles and organ meat and even even stuff to... um, the gut content. So lots of crushed up vegetables. And, and I've explained this
2: in my other books. And if your dog does have cancer, one of the ways to help it throughout its life and during cancer is to do raw food and some medication. Is that right?
3: Well, the way to defeat it, yes. Um, speak speak to your vet about this, but have a look at the book. Um, the ketogenic diet is key. Calorie restriction is key. Get those carbohydrates out of its diet, which is what is the basis of all modern pet foods. And When you start to feed a ketogenic diet, the body itself can live on ketones, which is what a ketogenic diet produces, but the cancers cannot. So Mm -hmm. between that and calorie calorie restriction, you actually starve the cancer. There are a few other tricks, nutritional tricks, that that help to defeat cancer, but we probably don't have time to talk about those now. But they're all very powerful, Daniel.
2: Yep, yeah, it all makes sense. Thank you very much for that. One last thing. What's the website that people can have a look at if they want to order the book and have, and find yeah, this free information?
3: Um, www. then it's com, and the doctor is just dr. So it's com, and they can order the book from there if they wish to.
2: Thank you very much for your time. I would like to have you on the show again at a later date. Um, we can talk more about this, but I think it's, it's fantastic news and thank you for all your research, Dr. Ian.
3: Look, thank you for having me on. It's been great. Thank you.
0: Well, we've got Heath from Swansea, and he's got a skimple complaint about his dog. Heath, how can I help you?
3: Yeah, mate. Um, I just sent me dog to a bloody kennel there over Christmas, and he's come back with all this dry like, scalp under
0: his, mm. on his head
1: all the scurf and stuff it can be sometimes um stress of being with lots of other animals and um at the moment yeah when i'm at the rspca doing consults on monday and tuesday it's uh yeah i get covered in hair because all the animals are losing all their fur because it's so hot it's a stress sort of thing Even was in the kennel over christmas you've got all those other animals strange place it affects the skin, so uh, a bit of fish oil in the food, 1,000 milligram per 10 kilo often helps. Um, if there's no crusts there and scabs, then that's good. If it is something like that, best to go down to your vet and get it checked out and scraped to see that there's no bacteria or uh, fungus or mycobacteria there that might be causing problems. Make sure you keep up the flea uh, prevention, especially after yeah. being in the kennel. They, they can pick up some stuff there. So, we, yeah,
4: yeah it's, it's all scabby in that Yeah.
1: Yeah, so yeah, there are some good shampoos and, and Daniel's got something to say about it oh, well, as well. Was,
2: there's a product we have called Goodo's Rovers Relief and it helps with those kind of problems and makes the hair grow back very quickly because that's one problem when you have that kind of an issue. Yep. The hair doesn't grow back for months, yep. uh, whereas this this product helps within a couple of weeks the hair to grow back and it kills whatever kind of bacteria might have caused it and, and that kind of stuff. And Of course, I always recommend a good, a good diet for your dog, like a raw diet that's grain-free too, but it doesn't look like that was the cause in this case it's to do something yeah. else
1: plus the summer is just so many mm. animals are coming in with with itchy feet the more they chew at their feet so if it's just one particular spot you can try an ice cube on there it's so cold <laughs> and anti-inflammatory then moisturiser to, to uh, place a, a barrier to the other allergens. I often say to people as well, if it is more around the feet, then you get people to rinse their feet off when the dog comes back for a walk, so it's removing some of those excess allergens. But even with all the flowers and things flowering, it's, it's airborne allergens that increase the potential for a dog to be itchy.
4: See so how it's we go? Never and had it before.
1: Never had it before? How old's the dog?
4: No. He's uh, 10 months
3: old, and it's just after I bring him back to the kennel, he started doing it. Yes. Yeah, and he, so doesn't, he doesn't chew at it or anything. It's just, it's like real
1: scabby, on, just on his head too. Yeah, so it might be best to get down to your local and regular vet uh, to get a, yeah. a check of that to make sure it's not mites or a bacterial infection. Again, if he's only 10 months of age, he is growing. So when the body's doing a lot of growing, there are a lot of extra stresses on the immune system and the nutrition that's
2: going in. So. Heath, is it spreading? Uh, is it getting bigger? No, it's it,
3: it's hmm. on like it's on both of his cheeks, and and on the top of his head. You can see it on top of his head. He, it's just like little marks, sort of going on it. Yeah, it's but, so
1: yeah. Best to get him down to your local vet so you can have a check and make yeah. sure it's okay. Thanks for your call. No worries. Cheers, mate. Now a little bit early at the start, Doctor Bob. You are mentioning about adopting a pet. Yes, um, it's when you. Thinking about getting a new pet, it's important to, to look through all the options. So, one of the first questions is, why do you want another pet? Is it that you want to have a, a dog to walk? Do you want to have a cat to sit on your head through the night to keep you warm? Do you want to have a bird to chat to? Um, do you want to watch fish and feel really calm? So, it's looking at those basic why sort of questions. And then the next question would be who? So, who's going to look after the animal? So, especially if you're doing it for the children, are they going to be responsible? Are they going to pick up the poo? Are they going to feed them? Are they going to walk them? Are they going to change the tank? It's all those basic questions. And so where is the pet going to be? Is the mouse going to be in the daughter's bedroom in a box or around the house? Is the snake going to be in the tank in the living area or in the bathroom? There's all these <laughs> sort of questions that you have to look at. Is the cat going to be an inside or outside cat? So I personally, I think that cats doubles their lifespan if they're inside less getting into wildlife and all that sort of thing as well so um the next question is when should you get a pet so if you've just gone back to school, getting one now is probably not the best idea, or if you're heading overseas on a holiday for three weeks, not the best time. It's better to actually, it, when you're getting a pet, once you've done the research, you know what's happening, you know what sort of an animal you want and who's going to look after it, then you need to, yes, yeah, spend the time in building relationship with that animal, even if it's a fish. Fish actually have an incredible memory. They've done tests. and they. It's not um, just
2: five minutes. It's not just five seconds, they yeah. say,
1: around the tank. No, they actually can do a maze three months later and find the food that's in there same as sheep they're incredible we were trying to make them to work for food but if you ask them to work to get back to a friend or one of the other sheep in in the mob then they will yeah do amazing tricks and treats to to get through a maze to
0: find where to get to it so, the other I'm thing just is... I'm imagining sheep doing tricks at the moment in my head.
2: <laughs> and I've got Sean the sheep in my mind, so it's all true what I see on the show.
1: Television, the interweb, it's all, you know, it's, it's corrupting our imagination. To, or is it making it better? Anyway, yeah. So, the next thing I'd really like to say is how do you get a pet? Please, people, be very careful. 60% of animals are now obtained through the internet. So you know, the the selling sites, which I won't mention on air, but those sorts of things. If you are asked to meet to pick up a dog on the, in the middle of the Pacific Highway late at night, then you're buying it from a puppy farm. It's You've got to be really careful. You've got to check the source. Don't believe all the stuff on the internet. And so many people, I, I find, are also getting them from interstate. So the animal actually has to fly as a puppy or a kitten to where they're living and so that's a huge stressor for for young animals especially so have a really good think through be very careful of where you go when you're getting a pet make sure that you do all your research who's going to do all the work what sort of things um are you going to feed it where's it going to go all those sorts of things, it's, it's a commitment. Uh, average pet, 10 to 15 years. Um, we had a guinea pig for eight years, so that wow. was pretty pretty good. That's an amazing effort for a guinea pig. It, it was, yeah, we did really well. We weren't so good with fish and birds, but I won't, won't okay. talk about
2: okay. that. <laughs> it's a good point you mentioned uh, about to where to get it from because I know with a lot of pedigree breeders of dogs yes. and so forth, like ourselves, we often... Uh, when we've got puppy inquiries tell all the bad things it's like you know you're going to have to do this and this and so in a lot of cases if you can't put up with that and you're going to say no well then the decision's been made it is and and you've got to realize having an animal
1: is yeah you've got to feed it and what goes in has to come out and if it's a long-haired animal you've got to groom it if it's a bird you've got Birdseed all over the shop, but you know you can teach them to say, own and sing, and say all sorts of things. So everybody has a p- particular love of a, of a a particular species, and it is quite fascinating how that goes through families. You know, particular families. One has a Labrador, and so the next one has to get a Labrador, and mm. it and it goes
2: on. So but once you've made all those checks, and you're definitely yeah. the families decided, yeah, we're we're ready to yeah. commit. The pet then can bring a lot of fun, oh, love and fun, a lot of and, joy and, and, and joy into the family. Tree.
1: And and it's so much better than watching the interweb or Netflix or something <laughs> because they're they're so much more interactive. And you know, while you're trying to watch the television, it jumps on your head or or the bird goes. <laughs> <"Get> <me!" laughs> and so, Having a pet's great. It's like having kids. It's a joy and a challenge.
2: <laughs> That's
0: right.
1: A joy and a, and a challenge, yeah. I yeah. wish
0: you warned me before you started squawking. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs>
1: I tried to do it gently
0: because normally it would have been much louder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is Pet Chat on 2 a fan. We've got Mick on the line from Lionburners Creek. and I think he's had a bit of an accident with his dog. How can we help you, Mick? Yes,
3: mate. i um, I got this dog that I had an accident in last August. Anyway, I've taken it to Sydney. And at, at the moment, he uses his legs when he walks slow, but his, his toes knuckle under. Ah,
1: uh, okay. Uh, I'm just wondering if
3: there's anything I can do to improve that.
1: There is. Um, just recently, one of our local vets has actually, I'm uh, not sure whether she's got it yet, but has done um, some extra study to become a veterinary physiotherapist. So she's actu- actually at the Animal Referral Emergency Centre, Lindy Price, And I was doing a consult with her the other day and it was just so fascinating. And that's the sort of therapy work she does. So um, it would be good to contact her. So you've probably had surgery at the specialist centre in Sydney. The problem with the knuckling is it's not feeling where its feet are. And so when it's walking, it can pick up and place its feet in the right place. But when it gets to go faster, it doesn't have the muscle control that it had previously, and that's where the physiotherapy, massage, making sure they're doing exercises that actually um, get those muscles mo- moving again. Like after a stroke, you've got to learn again how to walk, to eat, to talk. So it's nerves. That in the old days, we used to say, oh, nerves, you never grow back. But right. now with neuroplasticity the nerves actually reroute around the damaged site so it's actually quite amazing what can be done so i definitely contact dr lindy price at the animal referral emergency center um she either has or is about to get her physiotherapist qualification but she's been doing that sort of stuff she also has a qualification in surgery so she knows a lot of um knee um surgery she's been doing work with animals so again instead of just sticking that knee out as they have done when it's in pain mm. she's teaching the animal to actually put it back underneath where it should be so it's supporting all of the the weight on the whole or each of the paw, uh, the the digits the uh, toes as well as the whole leg so and when you think about it if it has had surgery and it's knuckling there's some serious damage in there so we need to allow time for that so as you said it was last year that yeah. the they had the accident and and the surgery yeah Wh- August, so when you think about bones and things recovering, it takes a long time, so don't
0: give up um, yeah, contact Lindy and see how you go Okay, we will do, thanks, Th- thanks, thanks you. Mick Cheers, thanks Mick, it is Pet Chat on 2 and you are at FM. I do have a question for both of you, hot weather at the moment Yes. especially the last few days and a bit late last year, my dog's quite old and it's not really dealing with it, besides giving it heaps of water and keeping it indoors the is important- there anything else I can do to
1: The the important thing with older animals is it affects their heart, it affects their kidneys, all the water going through. It then washes out all of the good ions and things, the um, potassium, sodium. So you've got to be careful. But it's not only the water that's coming in and going out, it's having um, ice mats. Um, Cool mats. Cool mats. You've actually got things you can put in the freezer. You put those out, they can lie in it. Um, well,
2: these days, actually, there's cool mats that are, that are not even wet. Yeah. When the body makes contact with the uh, mat, after about 10 minutes, the mat actually has a cooling effect on the dog. It's amazing. Well. Yeah, you know, We sell heaps of them during the summer. So it, it's a great product in that regard. Um, electrolytes in the, in the water, too. Yes. Oh, okay. that, can, that can help, just like a Gatorade for us. It's, yep. uh, yeah. There's the same thing for, for, for doggies.
1: And multiple shade areas. So you'll often find that animals... Yeah, you might like them to come and sit next to you, but no, they want to get that that bit of a, a, just a breath of a breeze that comes through, through that doorway, past that window, at that particular time of day.
2: And I find my dogs too, they just love if you've got uh, just ice water, ice yes. cubes. Yep. And especially if you've got uh, like a four litre ice cream container that's done into an ice block, they, they can play for ages with it. Keep you can
1: put it them. in a little clamshell wading pool <laughs> yeah. and they push it around. They might be, get a bit obsessive, but hey, it's keeping them busy, <laughs> keeping them cool. <laughs> yeah. and, and you don't have to fill up that clamshell pool, only just 30 millimetres of water in there. Mm, yep. And then you can actually tip it out each night to stop the mozzies um, growing and uh, just put a little bit more in the next day. They can paddle in it. You'll find some dogs don't like getting their whole body wet, but they will go and stand mm. in a tray of water or in a pool and just wetting the pores. The reason for that is they've got sweat glands underneath their paws mm. That helps a little bit, 5 to 10%, of heat regulation, whereas most of the heat regulation is from... Um, the panting and the tongue mm. lolling out yep. so that's why they need the the wet tongue otherwise the dry tongue doesn't mm. exchange the heat as well so I've shade lots of water sources in multiple places um cool beds even a, a cool mat as daniel, daniel said and wet towels you can put that around oh, yep um fans mm. um, maybe a spray of water um just a mist so it helps them to keep cool All birds right. in cages often it's good with that but mm. yeah follow the animal, because they'll actually be sitting in the coolest spot in the
0: house. <laughs> oh, right. Well, there's one problem with that. My youngest dog, I was talking about my youngest dog, they're kids. Um, <laughs> hates water. Ah, doesn't yeah. like it.
1: When it gets to be this hot, and I saw a few pictures on, on the interweb last night, that people's dogs that usually avoid it are actually lying, you know, a long head chihuahua, I saw it mm. was yeah lying on the cool mat, which yeah. it 'd never done before. Yeah. Because it's so hot, and it's so... Um, yeah and just so muggy as you said yeah. what was it 100 percent humidity yeah so no wonder i'm swimming in sweat for a dog that
2: that wouldn't like water uh like the cool mats as we discussed yeah. icy yeah. drinks electrolytes in the water but even a wet towel over them yeah. yeah that might help yeah
1: and the big thing with that is you put it on mm. and then you take it off so it's actually that change of temperature mm. that is the important bit and it's yeah it's I think it was something I learned in science in year nine. It was really good. Good old Bing Hanson. He was a great teacher.
0: Well, I think we've covered just about everything, but Christine from Anna Bay does have a question about pretty much what I asked. <laughs> <laughs> How can we help you, Christine?
5: Um, hello, yes. Um, I have a, a, um, a cross-Australian terrier pug. Yep. And he is having a lot of trouble in the heat, and he stops coughing. He gets this awful, awful cough, 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 yep. cough, cough. He does. He doesn't. He does it as well. When we come home, we've been out or anything, and we come home and he gets excited. Yes. Um, he does this cough as well.
4: It's yeah. a real
5: horrible, nasty cough, 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 cough. He he just doesn't tolerate the heat, but he's one of those dogs that doesn't like water. He doesn't like cold water. Yep
1: so uh, if he's an older dog he will have some heart issues so it would be good to have a regular vet check to make sure he's not actually accumulating a bit of fluid in his lungs which can induce that cough check his mouth to check there's not some old uh, rotten teeth in there that might also be causing a problem and you can just um, dribble some water around his mouth so that he's actually reducing that that potential for cough but if it's a heart type cough it will happen more at night and as you said um, be induced by the exercise. He'll sort of want to be, um, yeah, trying to cough, but it's actually like trying to get water out of a sponge. It's actually the fluid's really in there and it's related to the heart not pumping the blood around the, pro- the body properly. But check the teeth. Uh, a, a vet- and we
5: did take him to the vet and he did check him completely and said he's a very healthy dog. Ah, uh, good. Um, but it's just recently he started to actually, um, yes, a couple of days he's been
1: bringing up food. Okay, no, you've got something happening there, and it may be just the heat, but I would take him back down to the vet for another check. He might need a blood sample or X-ray. And, yeah, because things can change. The, The big thing about the heat or really, really sudden cold is the same. It puts the body in a real stress overload and the immune system can't cope with what's happening and so the weakest spot so my wife gets asthma so usually a cold can turn into a bit of wheeze and so it sounds like the cough is made a bit worse so the heat just yeah knocks older animals and and people around as well so yeah as we said before try the various ways of the of of cooling down with the, the wet towel plenty of ice uh ice blocks or ice water around, a mist, a fan, and they'll choose the best spot, and the, the, uh, the best option is having multiple places for them to go, to, to go. And, and, and it's like the Yeah, it is
5: very much an indoor because we live in the village. Yes, he's so air conditioning. Out, so only gets out to yeah. go to the toilet. Yeah,
1: the problem with air conditioning too is it dries the mouth out, so yeah. make sure there's multiple water bowls in multiple locations.
5: Yeah.
1: Thanks for the call,
0: Christine. Thank
4: you very much indeed.
0: We've got Elizabeth from West Walls End, and she's got actually a couple of comments about dog food. How can we help, Elizabeth?
4: Hi, um, I just um, talking to, uh, heard you talking to the uh, gentleman regarding raw f- vegetables for dogs.
2: Yes, to Dr. Ian Billinghurst, that's right.
4: Yeah, yeah well, all my dogs, all over the years, have all um, lived to the age of 15 to 18, all because of raw food.
2: Yeah, it's amazing and the, the overall feedback over decades of his research is, is exactly that. They're living a good, long, healthy lifestyle because of yeah. feeding a diet that uh, dogs evolutionally over thousands of years have been fed. So that's really yeah. great feedback. And did you make, make it yourself or you actually buy it pre-made?
4: Oh, no, no, no. Um, I just cook um, everything for myself yeah. and whatever I eat, the dogs eat. Yeah. Um, Peas, beans, corn, carrot, broccoli, yeah. cauliflower, yeah. mix it in with even cooked mints, steamed mints.
1: Mm.
4: Um, they just eat it all.
1: The good I've thing about...
4: Tried, sorry, I've tried um, chin feed but diarrhoea. Yeah. Mm. It's often got too much
1: water content, but, yeah, Elizabeth, it's the vegetables. And really, dogs are omnivores. They can survive on a near-vegetarian diet, whereas cats are obligate carnivores. They need meat to survive because they yeah. need the taurine, amino acid. But, yeah, the, the healthier the food, it's the same as their own diet, as you said. You're, you're feeding something that, you know, seems healthy. You don't want to eat sludge, so.
4: The only thing um, I wanted to ask, I only feed them raw meats once a week if I do it two days, uh, and give them um, mince two days um, together, they get constipated. Why is that?
2: Okay, well, the, the the raw diet is is not quite as simple as, yeah, some mints and some veggies. It has to be sort of in proportion. Now, uh, we talked about in the interview when a dog uh, catches its prey in the wild, whether it's a rabbit or a bird or a wild turkey, there's yeah. percentages. There's a percentage of vegetable matter or plant matter and herbs in the gut that the dog would have eaten. There's a percentage of offal uh, that the dog would have eaten in the livers, hearts and kidneys, and then there's the percentage of, of meat. Uh, your protein content, and then there's the bones, the calcium and cartilage and marrow from the bones. So it's it's a little bit more complicated. So it's about having all that uh, in percentages. So they need to have a certain amount of uh, fermented vegetable matter because when it's in the stomach of the beast or the the prey they've caught, it is slightly fermented from the acids in that stomach. That way they they can digest the um the the vegetable matter um and take the nutrients minerals and vitamins that they need and that is the fiber that they have so they can pass their stools without any having problems so you're mixing in a percentage of usually 50 percent protein and the other 50 percent vegetable matter that way they don't have any problems with constipation it's about having the two together and feeding that as the complete balanced diet
4: what about once a week? Um, I give them a raw bone. Is that too much or not
2: enough or what? We all have we all have um, opinions about raw raw bones, which we've discussed here. But um, as long as it's not support bones, so bones like your chicken chicken wings and drumsticks and necks, I believe are fine. They're they're fairly flexible and certainly not cooked. Um, and most dogs would be oh, fine yeah, with that. that. Yeah. But when you go to really hard support bones, especially from cows and so forth, oh, no. that can yeah. be yeah. Can can be and a certainly bit of a with problem. older
1: dogs elizabeth that they the more bones, the more likely to get constipated, so it might yeah, be good for are. their teeth but there's this, you've got to weigh up the balance plus i find that people have had a bone that have got stuck in a dog
2: previously mm. they they really are a bit weary um like with my dogs i've got seven wymaranas and i do give them a selection of bones i am careful with what i do give them and, and and they love them um but again it's all to do with percentages and what we're trying to do is imitate what is out there that the dog has evolved over thousands of years and how it's eaten and it's that that process yeah thanks now, for your call uh, elizabeth we also, you, but- we did have someone mention about the website details yeah. for Dr. Ian Billinghurst. So www.dreanbillinghurst.com.au. And I'm sure if you Google it, it'll come up that there's information there on the, on the raw diets and bath diets. Yeah. I know also on the Pet Shop Boys Facebook site, we've got a link um, to the Dr. Ian Billinghurst site. So you can have a look at the Pet Shop Boys Facebook site and also the Summerford Raw and Natural Facebook site's got information on it. All right. So plenty of places where you can yeah. pick up that website. Yeah. Yeah. What was the website again? Just one more time. <laughs> <laughs> w. Ian Billinghurst com dot
0: Yes. Very good, boys. We're all spelling champions as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for the first show for 2017, guys. Well done, Greg. It good was a
2: really nice doing it with you, Greg. You've done a great job. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> I really appreciate it. <laughs> it's always good fun.
3: Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.